First show of the new year coming out the NBA trade deadline. The Clippers and the Heat get better. The Rockets downsize. I think up next with the with the buyout market, the Lakers, the Bucks, the Celtics, I think they're all going to be major players in the buyout market. And since this is the first show of the new year, let's do some Q&A. Now, some of these will be older questions and some of them will be right on time, but let's have some fun. It's basketball. Let's get it. Let's jump right into the Q&A. I really haven't done Q&A in a minute, so I love answering these or responding to some of these. DJ asks, are the Heat for real? And do you think they need to make a move? So obviously, if you were watching the trade deadline, two things. One, the Heat are absolutely for real, and they did make a move by trading for Andre Iguodala and Jay Crowder. They gave themselves two tough physical perimeter defenders who can give Jimmy Butler a rest. Since Jimmy Buckets is your closer, you want him to have as much energy late in games as possible. Now that you have Iggy and Crowder, they allow him to get off the other team's best offensive player. Not to mention in Iggy, you also get an additional facilitator and a shot maker. Great move by the Heat. And yes, DJ, they are very much for real. Sid asked, what contenders in each conference need to make a move? All right, so going into the trade deadline, I thought the Lakers, I thought the Clippers, Rockets, Sixers, Heat, and Celtics all needed to make moves. One of the few contenders that I thought could stay pat was the Raptors. Because of their style of play and how they move the ball, I think the only thing Toronto needs is good health. They've got depth, they've got shooting, they've got long defenders, they've got great leadership from Lowry, and they've got size with Marc Gasol and Serge Ibaka. That is a complete team. And I know for fact, a lot of people did not see this coming. I told people, I thought the Raptors were going to be a surprise in the East. They've been even better than I thought. I really do think the Raptors have a legit chance to get to the conference finals. As far as the other contenders, when you look at the Bucks, they're a complete team. My problem is because you know what teams are going to do with Giannis when it comes playoff times, how they're going to clog the paint, create a wall, they're going to need Chris Middleton or Eric Bledsoe to be more assertive. Middleton is a talented dude, all-star. His problem is he defers too often. When you look at his skill set, what he can do off the bounce, what he can do with his pull-up. Middleton should be averaging 25 points a game, but he's too, he, he's, too, he's too quick to defer to Giannis. And I really do think for them to take that next step when they play better teams. Because remember, people are looking at the Bucs, and right now they have the best record in the league. They're probably going to finish with the best record. But when you start talking about playoffs, you chop off those bottom seven teams in the other conference. You're not playing those bad teams no more. So eliminate those 14 teams and then eliminate the two number eight seeds because the Bucs aren't going to have a problem with the eight seeds. So that's 16 teams gone. Now you're talking about who you play in the second round. And in this case, hypothetically, 
you could end up playing a team like Indiana, who just got Oladipo back, who's getting his legs up under him. You put Oladipo with Brogdon, you've got one of the best defensive backcourts. You've got Sabonis and Miles Turner in the back with their size and length. I'm not saying Indiana's going to beat Milwaukee, but I will say if Milwaukee has a weakness, an obvious weakness, outside of Giannis, who I keep telling everybody, he's not a wing player. He has the gift to play the wing. He has the physical talents to create off the bounce on the perimeter. But he is a center. Never forget that. They're going to need someone else to beat people off the bounce if they're going to go to the finals. When I look at Miami, I think they addressed their needs. They've alleviated the workload from Jimmy Buckets. They've added two guys who can make shots late in games, and they added some more veteran leadership and toughness. When you combine that with their young players like Bam, like Hero, like Nunn, Miami, I'm giving the Heat a puncher's chance to come out of the East. I wouldn't say book it, but they're going to be a scary out. The Celtics are the most interesting team to me in the East because they've got four guys that can beat you out the bounce. Tatum, Brown, Hayward, Marcus Smart, Kimba. Actually, that's five. They've got five guys that can beat you off the bounce. Now, Smart isn't a scorer per se, but he does have the ability to penetrate. But what I am saying is, in this NBA, at a premium, the ability to shoot and make shots and the ability to create and beat people off the dribble. Very few teams have multiple guys that can do that. The Celtics have five. They're going to be a tough out. Their weakness, though, Yes, Ennis Cantor is a great offensive rebounder. He has the ability to score in the restricted area, but he is a poor defender. I think Daniel Thais, Thais, or Thais, however you pronounce his name, is a solid defender, but he's a bit undersized. If they have an Achilles heel, I think you can beat Boston up in the paint. But the Celtics are going to be fun to watch, and they're going to be a tough out. I've already told you how I felt about the Raptors. When I look at the Sixers, The same problems they had in the playoffs has plagued them all year during the regular season, and it will plague them in the playoffs. By adding Al Horford, I think you just made those problems that much bigger. They had spacing issues already with their two best players. Embiid is a big who does his best work in the restricted area and on the block. Simmons is a point guard who does his best work attacking the basket and posting up in the restricted area because Simmons is not a shooter and doesn't attempt to shoot. And they've added Al Horford. I think their spacing issues are even worse. I know a lot of people say the Sixers are built to play bully ball. The problem with bully ball is when the other team clogs the paint and dares your shooters to beat them. I don't think the Sixers have the shooters to make teams pay. And that's why I don't think Philly's going to go on a deep run this year in the West. 38-11, well, 38-12 after tonight's loss to the Rockets. The Lakers are the best team in the West on paper. The scariest team in the West is still the Clippers. The Lakers have a lot of length and size with AD, with Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, LeBron 6'9". He's long. 
but their weaknesses outside of LeBron, no one else can beat you off the dribble. No one else can create shots for other people. They have no other penetrators. They have no other creators. And I think that's going to be what ultimately cost them in terms of making a deep run. I know most people see the Lakers in the playoffs because they've got AD, because they've got LeBron. And most teams who have two top five players, nine times out of ten, you would say book them for the finals. The problem is in basketball, five guys are on the floor at the same time. And when you can take away one of those superstars or one of them doesn't step up, then you're relying on role players to carry you. I just don't think the Lakers have the shooters. And like I said, when LeBron goes to the bench, who can make plays? I think the Lakers definitely have to pursue someone in the buyout market. Yes, the rumors about Darren Collison are real. I think Collison is a solid player. I don't know if he's enough of a difference maker to carry them to the finals. The rumors about them working at J.R. Smith is true. But this sounds more like desperation versus a real plan. Right now, with the addition of Marcus Morris, to go at Kawhi, to go at Paul George, to go with Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell. The Clippers are by far the best team in the Western Conference. The Lakers, they're punching up now. When you look at the rest of the contenders in the West, a team like Utah, great defensive team, but the first thing I look at when I look at their roster top to bottom and their style of play, I think Utah needed more firepower. And they kind of addressed that by adding Jordan Clarkson from the Cavaliers. Clarkson gives them about 15, 16 points off the bench. I still don't know if that's enough firepower overall. The Jazz are a really good team. I still think they're a player away from being a title contender. I don't think the Jazz are going to go on a deep playoff run. I don't think they're a legit threat to go very far in the playoffs. I just don't see it. A team like the Nuggets... Their need, they might already have on their roster. And that need is, they need a second, legit, consistent, all-star, talented player. And I think Michael Porter Jr. could be that guy. Now, he's still developing. And he's still getting his legs up under him. But he's shown signs of the ability to make shots through contact, finish at the rim. Jamal Murray has all the talent in the world. Do not get me wrong. The problem with Jamal Murray is he's too inconsistent. You just can't rely on him. I would I would say Jamal Murray is kind of like the Eric Bledsoe of the Western Conference. You see all the talent. It's an all-star talent wrapped up in that body, but you don't get a consistent effort. I really thought the Nuggets would consider making some moves to pursue someone like Drew Holiday, but I think that top to bottom, because they're so deep, I think they're committed to this roster, at least giving this roster one more shot to make a run. If the Nuggets end up being a first or second round knockout, there will be major roster changes. Trust me. The only guy that's not going anywhere outside of Porter Jr., who's their future, is the Joker, who's their present and their future. Back to the Rockets. So obviously, if you were following the trade deadline drama, you know that the Rockets sent Clint Capella to the Hawks, who, by the way, 
look, the Hawks aren't going to make any noise in the playoffs or anything like that. But you give them Capella to go with Trey Young, to go with John Collins, I like that trio. The Hawks are going to be an interesting team to watch next season if they have a good offseason, if they put more talent around that trio. But when I look at Houston, everybody's talking about their downsides. And yes, they are going to play with a smaller. With the Rockets, yeah, they've gotten smaller, but I think they're going to be more lethal. I think by taking Capella out of the equation and adding another shooter, a 3 and D guy like Robert Covington, you've just cleared the way for Russell Westbrook to be in attack mode all the time. And the brilliance of Russ is this. When he's not forcing threes and he's just going downhill, attacking your rim, getting into the teeth of your defense, that's when he's special. That's when he's a superstar. And to his credit, he stopped launching all the bad threes and everything is attack, attack, attack. The only thing you have to be concerned with if you're a Rockets fan in terms of if you can make this or sustain this is if James Harden can get his legs back under him. Anybody that's been watching the beard the last 12 or 15 games, he has struggled. His shot's not falling. He's not getting to the hole as much, not getting to the free throw line, which we all know he makes a living there. He has not been doing that. It, I don't know if he's injured or just worn down from the load and, and all the minutes that he plays, but they got to have Harden at 100%. You get Harden and Westbrook with a spread floor at 100%. And look, I don't think Daryl Moore is done. I think what he will do is they will be players, like I said, in the buyout market, and they're going to look for a big who can rim run and, rim run and finish that won't cost them an arm and a leg like Capella did. Yes, they're going to play small ball most of the time, but they will get a big who can rim protect and finish at the rim. The Rockets, I said this at the beginning of the season, and I'm going to stay true to that. This team right here, I'm going to give them a puncher's chance of going on a deep run. If I have a sentimental choice of a team that I'd like to see make the playoffs, it's going to be the Portland Trailblazers because I am a ginormous, big-time Damian Lillard fan. Dane is a beast. He's a legit top 10 player, and there are times when Dame looks like the best player in the league. He's that special a talent. I think they've given him some help. Trevor Ariza gives him another perimeter defender and a guy that can shoot threes. Melo has been solid. CJ has played well. And Kenneth, for, Ken, look, Kenneth Whiteside, if we're being fair, you're talking about somebody who's given you 15 points, 14 rebounds, and three blocks. He's been solid. The problem with Portland is they don't have a lot of depth. Once Dame goes to the bench or CJ goes to the bench, they just don't have a lot of shot makers. I still going to give them a shot. I know the Grizzly, John Morant and company are in the A spot. And I love watching the Grizzlies play. They're an exciting young team. But anybody that can just drop 50 or 60 the way Dame can, the kind of shot making that he and CJ are capable of, you want that squad in the playoffs. And in a bigger picture, this might be Melo's last hurrah. I'd like to see him go out at least making some kind of a playoff run. One more time for the vet. I think everyone is still adjusting to the tragic events that cost nine people their lives. 
that included Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna. What I can say about Kobe Bryant? Easy. One of the greatest, fiercest competitors in all of sports. And as a lifetime Laker fan, I appreciate Kobe for this reason. Our relationship goes like this. I was there. I was there before he became a Laker. I was there when I found out that they had made a trade for a kid who was 17 years old out of high school. They traded an established player like Vlade for some kid who was a perimeter player. And I didn't think the Lakers needed him because they had Nick Van Exel and Eddie Jones, a talented young backcourt. But here comes this kid. And he didn't play that much in terms of minutes in his rookie year, but in the playoffs against the Utah Jazz, the coach at the time, Dell Harris, late in the game with seconds to go, drew up plays for this kid to take the final shot. And he shot three air balls, and I'll never forget that. I was screaming at my TV along with Nick Van Exel. And I remember Dell Harris in the postgame talking about you don't see it now, but this kid, he can get his shot against anybody whenever he wants to. The next season, I saw the progression. Kobe became an all-star. I remember that year. I was there. When all four of them, Nick, Eddie, Shaq, Kobe, all went to the all-star game. I was there when in the all-star game, this kid goes between his legs and does a rolling hook over Dikembe Mutombo like it was nothing, and it just swished the nets. I knew then that the future of the Lakers was definitely Shaq, but now I knew why they got this kid. Now I knew what Jerry West saw, and I knew either Eddie or Nick had to go for this kid to flourish and get the time he needed on the court. And what happened was they ended up trading both of them away. And it ended up being not just the right move, but the perfect move. They built the team around Kobe and Shaq. And I was there for that shortened season when the Spurs swept the Lakers. That was painful. It was a learning experience for them, for him as a player, for me as a fan. But I was there for that. I was there the next season when they took off. When they went to the playoffs and they were in that epic seventh game in the Western Conference Finals against a loaded Portland Trailblazers squad down by 17 in the fourth. They come back. Signature moment that started the three-peat run. Kobe crosses up Pippen, lobs it to Shaq. Boom. I was there. And I was there for the title versus the Pacers when this kid, age 21, took over game four when Shaq had fouled out in Indiana. Pacers nation going crazy, thinking they got this game. And the kid looks to the sideline and goes, I got this. I was there for that. And he was the best player on the floor. And he won that game. The Lakers went on to win the series in six. I was there. I was there the next year. When they went to the finals and they met the Sixers with AI and company. And then the following year, when they completed the three Pete versus Jason Kidd and crew, 
And he did this fadeaway shooting with his left hand over Kenyon Martin. And I thought, he's just a beast. And I was there for that. And I was there for the following season. And I was there the following season when the Spurs bounced back and they beat the Lakers. The Lakers regroup, put the mailman, GP, Kobe, Shaq, and all the things that happened off the off the court and the turmoil that he had to endure. And he balled out. And I was there for that. I don't pretend to know Kobe Bryant, the man. I'm only acknowledging Kobe Bryant, the great basketball player, arguably the greatest Laker of all time, one of the all-time greatest basketball players of all time. What I know is when I saw my favorite player of all time, Magic Johnson, go to a podium in 91, and he had to retire. And then when he came back and retired again for good, I wondered, When was the next time the Lakers were going to contend and be relevant? And Kobe was a big part of that. Kobe and Shaq helped us three-peat. Shaq leaves. They reinvent the Lakers around Kobe and Paul Gasol a couple of years later. And Kobe adds two more titles to the resume. And I was there for all that. So as an NBA fan, as a basketball fan, and as a Laker fan, Thanks, Kobe. On the next episode of The Cypher, we're going to talk NBA buyout market. You're going to hear names like Tristan Thompson, Jeff Teague, Bismack Biombo, Marvin Williams, and many others. We'll do that, and we're going to say, or we're going to ask the question, do the Sixers need to break up the process? It's been fun. First episode back of The Cypher in the new year. Next time.